Welcome, welcome coaches, teachers, parents, and medical professionals. You are listening to Larissa Mills and my podcast, At The Table. I am the founder of iParentGen.com. And today and every day, we are going to discuss how families and schools are managing technology and raising children and teaching them. We are also going to listen to how technology is impacting athletes and their level of sport. So let's get to it. Stay tuned and please call in with your questions or join us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. But parents, you are not alone. There are courses, articles, and videos on my website. Please sign up for free. So let's get listening. Hello there, Miss Chelsea. How are you doing there in Nashville? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I said, we were at a lockdown. I'm happy. The kids are in sports. The, we're seeing a little bit more livelihood. We're not quite fully open, but we're mm-hmm. more open than we were a few months ago. So I'm quite happy with that. So welcome to Parent Talk today. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation. It is so relevant. And as we were talking about, narcissism is on the rise. So it's definitely something we all need to be aware of. Yes. And, and let's get to it. So you're, you're a psychotherapist, you're author, speaker, you have been focusing more and where I found your work was on narcissism and the introverted personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and how long have you been a psychotherapist for? Um, let's see, I'm going on six years. And so just to clarify, my specialties are narcissism, of course, healing from narcissistic abuse. And then I also specialize in introverted personalities as well. Now, I have, as far as you know, there's an interesting link we can talk about for, um, you know, narcissism actually tends to be um, more of an introvert or extroverted uh, person thing. Uh, not so surprisingly, sometimes because uh, like, if you think about grandiose narcissists and things like that, they get gain their energy a lot from being around other people and things. So I've actually found that a lot of times it's introverts that are targeted, or at least people with certain behaviors or tendencies or traits like overthinking or low self-esteem or feeling insecure, tending to question yourself, which we know introverts can get caught in sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you so much for being here today. And we wanted to focus on why is there a rising trend? We talked about our topic and what we were going to talk Mm -hmm. about and how we can prevent narcissistic behavior. And what do we do if we have parents who are narcissists? Um, And is there a link with the increase in narcissism um, with phone use. So those are kind of where we are going to touch on today. Um, yeah. and I can't wait to get started. So welcome. And I'm just so happy that you're here. Um, and you're happy and you're healthy and, um, whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So when, when we're talking about narcissism, can you define that for our listeners who are maybe not quite understanding the exact psychological definition of it? Yeah, absolutely. I know narcissism is one of the terms that we often hear that's thrown around, but we're not exactly always sure what we're talking about. So the two main types of narcissism are grandiose and covert. Now, grandiose is the narcissist that we usually think of when we hear the term narcissist, this very, you know, charismatic, um, over-the-top social person for all intents and purposes. They look very successful. You might even, you know, think that you would like to be like them. They look like they have everything together, but on the inside, 
Um, or if you take a little closer look, you'll notice that they're always the heroes of their own story. They find ways to, to quietly belittle or criticize others. And at home, oftentimes, this is when you'll see the biggest difference because whoever the narcissist is close to is usually sometimes the only one who the narcissist allows to, to see them with their mask off. So at home, you might be seeing them be emotionally unavailable, cold and distant, almost like they're a chameleon. And it just depends on the environment they're in on what persona they bring to the table. So it's whatever will be most beneficial for them at the time. And then the covert narcissist is more insidious because it's not what we always expect to see. This is the one where so, I was, I was myself having a little bit of ambiguity. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Because the covert narcissist doesn't look so entitled. In fact, they can even look the complete opposite. They can come across sometimes as a very nice person, like overly nice, but they always have a sad story. Like they always have this victim mentality. It's always a story around who did them wrong or what happened or all the dreams and hopes and things they could have, would have, should have done. If only they would have had help, if only this would have happened. So they don't always look like that grandiose narcissist, but the entitlement is still there. It just sounds different. So a covert narcissist is like, why doesn't the world see how great I am? And the grandiose narcissist is like, world, look how great I am. So exactly. So the entitlement is still there. It just comes across in a very different way. Well, thank you for clarifying that because when I was reading, there were, there actually are more definitions too that that I I know in psychiatry they work with, Mm -hmm. but those were the two. I'm like, wow, well, I know one, but I was less, um, I couldn't really figure out. I'm like, who, who would be covert? I'm like trying to figure out the, the different personalities, but they're there. And I, now that it's more clear, I see exactly what you mean. And I agree. I agree. Like when I, when I think of that person or yeah. right, that personality now we're, we're here today because I'm hoping that we can help parents to avoid the pitfalls of raising a narcissistic child because our Mm -hmm. tendency today is to parent and be their friend and to, Mm. to inflate our children's egos by saying you're wonderful or how smart you are. And in our parenting styles have changed, which are actually, some are saying, some psychologists are saying we're creating narcissists. Mm -hmm. So how should we avoid this? What should we instead, what phrases should we be saying instead? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, so to understand a little bit about like the core of what makes up narcissism, because I think a lot, like no one wants to raise a narcissist. So we don't intend on that happening, but somehow narcissism is on the rise. So the, the four key traits of narcissism or the core traits are, you know, the entitlement, like the rules don't apply to me. They apply to everyone else, but I'm always the exception. Um, a lack of empathy. So the true, they really don't care. They don't see how their behaviors impact others. And even if they do, they really don't care as long as they get their way. And then the lack of self-reflection. So you know, a healthy person says, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe that come ac- you know, that came across the wrong way. Maybe I should have approached this differently. A narcissist doesn't do that. Everything is always everyone else's fault. And then no personal responsibility falls right in line with that. So, you know, I, I never did that. 
They're always looking outside of themselves. So, you know, a couple of the biggest things we can be doing as parents to make sure we're not raising narcissists is help them develop that empathy, self-reflection, and taking personal responsibility. I mean, those are the biggest things. So we need to be asking our kids what you thought about that, how you feel, how you feel around different people. Talk to them about what healthy relationships look like and what unhealthy relationships look like. Help them see how their behaviors are influencing other people. You know, I, I'll give you an example. I'm working with a client right now who's trying to make sure she doesn't raise narcissistic children, which is doubly hard because her ex who is still involved in the, the children's life is very much a narcissist. And so she feels like she's at this constant battle of let me try to undo what the narcissist is doing because the children are learning from this, the narcissistic parent you know, how to manipulate and how to gaslight and those kinds of things we can get into. So I've, I've really encouraged her to talk to them about their thoughts and feelings, help them be self-aware so that they know their own thoughts, help them get out there and volunteer so that they can see they're, they're part of a bigger world instead of, you know, as you said, we get lost in our phones, uh, you know, technology, everything ads become whatever we want. And so like within our own little world, we can completely disregard everything else everyone else is going through. And we have such a small mindset. So helping them get out there, volunteer, see what other people are doing and how they can help can, can really make a difference. And I'm really happy that you said, you said a couple of things that I really like because I'm teaching uh, um, courses on to parents about how to be emotionally intelligent and how to teach mm-hmm. children. So you you touched on self awareness um, yeah. and being able to have empathy. And I like that you said, and I'm I'm only repeating this for the listeners too, that if we talk to our children about how they feel and how they I, identify their emotions and classify them. I feel scared when I yes. go to bed, like they're nine years old, right? They're scared of the, they're afraid of the dark, but, but we have to figure out why you feel scared and when. So, okay. We know you're afraid of the dark. We, we understand. So classifying emotions, identifying them and figuring out the timing of them helps people, children gain emotional intelligence and self-awareness, right? Yes. So, um, that is a big part of this and teaching empathy. Like you said, like, uh, there was a little girl down at the swimming pool who saw a cicada, like a bug and it was down mm-hmm. there and, and a bird got it and took it and then it died. And she goes, Oh mom, I'm Aww. so sorry. The, the bug's dying. Mom, should we move it? Meanwhile, the bird is like right in there, Aww. took a wing and the mom's like, honey, I'm sorry, but we really can't do anything, but maybe, Maybe we can try and distract the bird because you knew the bird was going to get it, but the little girl doesn't. So at least we tried, but she saw it and she was well aware of the empathy. Yeah. And the mom and the mom went with it and it was so nice. Uh-huh. To see. And she's like, well, you know, that is nature, it, but it, I feel really bad for the, it could be a mommy bug. The little girl said, and the mom's like, oh gosh, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and it, teaching empathy can't be taught overnight as you're well aware. Right. Yeah. Emotional intelligence does not happen overnight. It happens over years, days, and those exchanges and and chats with our children. But my, the other side to this is, well, now a lot of adults have been on phones for over 10 years, doing whatever they want, having instantaneous lifestyles. What if we have narcissistic parents raising kids? 
Uh, it, I mean, yeah. Because I see it damn... in schools and, and in sports. <laughs> it's, a, it's a monster to deal with. Right. I mean, there's no doubt that narcissistic parents are having a devastating effect on their kids because, yeah. you know, there's several things that are happening. One, kids, we learn through modeling, you know, so as we're growing up, we're looking around to see what's expected of us and what we should do. So the child with a narcissistic parent is able to see the the manipulation and the not taking responsibility. And so th- unfortunately, they're really learning just how to act entitled from mom or dad. Yeah. And the other really bad thing that happens is the child isn't exempt from the narcissist gaslighting. So, you know, for those who maybe aren't familiar with gaslighting, it's just about whenever someone says something repeatedly that makes you question your reality. So saying things like, ah, that never happened. You, you didn't say that. That didn't go that way. I never said that. Anything that makes you start to question yourself and go, well, did I do that? Am I like that? And so it's like this insidious way, this psychological warfare that the, the child is, is always, you know, around. And so not only are they, they being gaslighted themselves, they're also learning how to gaslight others and not, and that goes hand in hand with not taking personal responsibility. And, you know, something else that happens is it's a constant contradiction when you have a narcissistic parent. So there's this, uh, I'm here for you until I have more important things to do because narcissistic parents want to look like good parents, right? Like they they want to show up to the soccer games. And oftentimes if the child is the star, they're doing well, they'll be there, they'll be bragging about them. They'll seem involved and they'll seem like they care, but then you get home and there's no actual talking going on. They're sitting them in front of the TV or giving them a phone. The narcissist is off doing whatever. And there's, so there's, they're not really engaging. And that's another way that we end up creating narcissistic children is if we, you know, put a lot of emphasis on external success. Like I'm here for you when you're doing something great, when you're succeeding, when you're achieving, but I'm not here for the day-to-day task. I'm not here for, you know, the, the the daily expectations that the parents have so that also happens too which ends up creating narcissistic kids because they learn okay so it's really just about what everyone else sees it's not really about who I am right and and if we have more and more parents that are becoming more and more selfish with their time and not engaging with their kids and not showing empathy mm-hmm. right I'm I'm worried for the next generation of kids as we dive more into um, the addiction rates of phone and gaming and social media because prior to COVID addiction to phones for adults was 70 something that's Mm. high now for kids addiction was 85 and I know now I I don't even want to look at what the British pediatric or Canadian pediatric or American pediatric association is I'm going to guess that is over 90 for children who have a phone but when we look at the phone use of a child the adult's phone use is particularly high as well there's a link so Mm -hmm. um, they're not if they're not talking to each other they're not laughing they're not socializing they're not losing they're not learning socialization skills and coping mechanisms and um, strategies and resilience the narcissistic parent you're saying mm-hmm. is not teaching those skills. They're sort of just there in the limelight, not assisting and developing. 
Is that right? Right, exactly. Those, yeah, those values that you hope to instill in the children, you know, a work ethic, taking personal responsibility, all of those things that you hope to instill, you know, healthy values in your child, they're not there. First of all, the narcissistic parent lacks it themselves because they're just concerned about, you know, what everyone else is doing or who's looking at me, who's watching me, what I have going on. And they'll, they'll be there to use the child as it benefits them. So, you know, if they're hanging out with other parents who have kids, then they'll want their, their kid there. And they may seem like right. an A plus parent in that situation, but then at home, the child doesn't get it. You know, I've seen situations where, let's say, you know, the parents are divorced or they're single, then they've started dating someone new, then then the kid kind of gets, you know, put on the back burner. And then the child becomes, you know, more anxious. And of course, the child doesn't realize that they're being anxious. Uh, so they might be like, you know, dad, 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 or mom, 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 trying to get attention. And then the parent turns to them and says, you are so defiant, or you are so rude. And so then the child is getting like shamed and guilted because they're trying to get mom's attention because, you know, she's interested in a new boyfriend. And so again, the child doesn't know what to do with all these feelings. And so for any of us who are involved as counselors, as teachers, as coaches, like we have such an opportunity because by the time the child gets school age, they're spending more time at school or with coaches than they are at home. So if we just take those small opportunities to say, hey, how are you feeling? Um, or are helping them think about other people, you know, and teamwork with, with coaches and things like that. There's so much opportunity to help them see, hey, we all impact each other. We all need to care about each other. And that can be the difference between a child becoming a narcissist or not. And as a former teacher myself and coach, um, what sort of strategies and tips can teachers and coaches use to help where there's a child who's entitled, becoming a narcissist, no empathy whatsoever? Because you've, we know about the kids mm -hmm. in the schoolyard who absolutely do not care. Yeah. And, and it's because of the behavior of the parent or whoever. Um, how can we guide them? as a professional? Yeah, it's such a good question because we really have to instill that conscience, you know, and, and a lot of times that is, is the easiest time to instill it is when they're really young. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't even get that opportunity or we aren't aware that it's not being developed until much later. So I think it really comes back to, you kind of have to meet people where they are. So if you have a child who, you know, you're not going to be able to, uh, encourage or guilt them into caring about other people like that's not going to work yeah. so you really have to start with identifying with them building a relationship with them of course you know that the whole saying we have to know that you care first before we're open to anything else so building that relationship with them and then getting them involved in in something that they are you know, personally invested in. So let's say they like football or baseball or sports or something like that, helping them see how their behaviors impact other people and how other people's behaviors impact them. And even just having a conversation around it, uh, you know, around, hey, how did you feel when so-and-so said that or did that? And then how do you think that made them feel when you said this or did this? Right. helping them see the consequences because the narcissistic parents are just not helping them see any consequences about how their, their behaviors are impacting others because they themselves don't see it. True. And you know what? I really, when, when we started talking about us doing this, this um, podcast, I started to look around for teachers and coaches that were, that were already implementing strategies. And it was kind of neat to hear. So I thought mm -hmm. I'd pop in a couple of cute little things. So 
these were younger teachers that I was speaking to. And they were saying that they actually try to get kids involved in making bracelets Mm. and handing them to other kids. So their mind is busy. Their hands are busy. They get to use the the different colors. They get to use their, um, their artistic skills and make the, you know what I mean? The the little embroidery bracelets. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what she says, when you're done, can you go make a bracelet for so-and-so who's in a home? I really need one of those today. Mm-hmm. You could really make them feel special. Or why don't you go in the art corner and m- when you're done your work, you can go make a bracelet for your mom, right? So she encourages empathy and doing things for others in a cute little way. I thought it was so adorable. And, and she said, I'm their landing mat. Some of these parents don't talk to their kids when they're home and the teachers are basically the ones parenting, doing the moral yeah. guidance and parents, I think, are very much misguided when they think, oh, my baby's going to come out pre-programmed to do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I have to admit, I have to admit when I had my first, I'm like, that's a lot of crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I realize, you know, it takes the time and effort yeah. and coaches want to put that time in, but now they're trying to coach um, the skills, but now they've got to add in the good coaches are adding in 10 minutes more of mental skills a day to help Absolutely. their athletes out because of the negligence or the lack of those skills being done at home. So I've seen, and it's nice to see the coaches that are starting to do this, build up a buddy system, you know, or they're getting in a little box suggestion box or a friendship box and put your note in, Mm. put your ideas in. He's giving them some intrinsic motivation. I really, really like it. A few of them coaches are doing that. So that, that was, it's nice to see that coaching is sort of taking a little bit of that angle too. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, that's really what will turn this around or at least slow down this narcissistic epidemic that we see, because like you said, the social skills, the empathy, the knowing how to deal with my feelings and and social anxiety and depression, like all of that is on the rise because there's a disconnect. So many things that we just naturally learned through social interaction, like, you know, uh, how to do certain things or how to have manners or yeah, like just like how to handle, right, exactly, how to make friends. Yeah, we don't know because some kids, they're just kind of in their room on their phones all day or they're, I know I know kids, some of my clients who just literally sit on FaceTime with their friends all day and then they just scroll TikTok, like that's it. There's no real, you know, social interaction or interaction from, you know, parents or different things. You know, me personally, I was homeschooled uh, most of my life and we were in these you know hundreds of other homeschool families and groups where I was talking with kids younger than me kids older than me adults so it gave me such a different perspective to be able to to see things from you know all kinds of people's point of view and and so I was able to you know connect with adults connect with teenagers connect with five-year-olds when I was you know say I was eight but I was able to connect with all those different ages and types because I was around them I just I had the opportunity to have the social interaction so that is really why a lot of kids are missing do you think that that is part of today's world where we have parents organizing the play dates and no one's outside. So they only play with the same age groups. Like on our street where I'm so lucky there's ages four to 14 playing. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
and the older kids have to watch out for the younger kids and they all play right. games like tag like the old school I love our street for that <laughs> and yep. I'm so I'm very I'm very lucky because I think that when I grew up I'm 70 I was born in 1973 so I'm 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 thinking of how I can get those things from the past for my kids because they were so they're priceless. I can't put a price mm-hmm. on, on ex- those experiences for my kids. Um, and you just said something very, very, um, um, clear there. It's about getting that socialization when you're younger. It's key. Mm-hmm. It really um, is. It makes, all, it makes all the difference. And I know that's tough because sometimes we don't interact with the kids till they're teenagers. And then a lot of, a lot of, uh, beliefs and, and personality traits have already been instilled, but they can always, they can always be changed. Never think that you can't make an impact because it can be one person, one time that can make a difference. Now, the other part of this conversation, we, we were talking about this in our emails is that how to raise kids to be narcissistic resistant. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we do that? What are some tips there for parents? Yeah. Well, in relationships, it's the same thing. You know? Right. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, y- you know, the, the core things that we can do at any age is the self-reflection, the empathy, taking personal responsibility. Um, I'll go back to the client I was talking about earlier, who's, you know, she's a parent and originally she sought counseling because she always knew something was off with her ex. She had, uh, you know, was wondering what was happening, what was going on. So she originally sought counseling to figure out what in the world she had been through from the psychological abuse she'd basically you know suffered from her ex and so once we discovered that it was narcissism and and untangled all the mess then she was like oh my goodness what do I do with my kids because I don't want them exposed to this kind of toxicity and if you know sometimes you have to you don't have that option if they're still involved in the kid's life so I explained to her the most important thing you can do for your kids is learn to is teach them to learn to know and trust themselves because here's where narcissists get in our lives. We get a gut feeling about something or we know something is off about someone, but the person always has a sad story. They always have a reason. We always let them off the hook. So we set a boundary, we move it. We don't have, you know, firm expectations for our relationships. And we, you know, we give people unlimited second chances. So I told her, you know, teaching your kids be, be giving, but don't give unlimited second chances, be understanding, but look at actions over words, be kind, but realize not everyone has good intentions and be loyal, but to people who are genuine. And so she shifted her focus to start teaching those kinds of skills. And now her kids, they're, they're asking questions. They are noticing more how they feel around different people they're, you know, talking about their, their thoughts and feelings more. They're thinking about what they can do for other people more. And that is wonderful because the narcissist depends on you not thinking for yourself. So if you, yeah, if you will build that, you know, inner guidance system and trust it, Mm -hmm. then that is the biggest way we can be resistant against narcissists because that is how they get in Mm -hmm. is because we're willing to second guess ourselves and uh, not trust our own instincts. Wow. And no, taking one, those are great because you're basically building and preventing helping them prevent mental health anyway, with everything you just said, those are all Mm -hmm. coping skills and strategies and whatnot. So ultimately if we're providing our kids with emotional um, 
intelligence, with um, self-talk, resilience, empathy, and we're teaching them how to be around others. We're, those kids are going to be more successful because now Absolutely. companies are actually looking at, yeah, yeah, I can find a Harvard grad who graduated with a hundred in their class. Um, but I want a person who can communicate, who can mm-hmm. empathize and who can listen. And so they're actually looking for people with more people skills, which is, right. you know, being in the corporate world where we do a lot of our, our, our teaching. Um, I, I am now really starting to see a flip side to this. So you're, the kids that we're talking about and how we're talking to them, hopefully that translates over to better social skills, but we're better equipped mentally to cope with whatever's thrown at us. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I know we're seeing a, a rise in narcissism, but at the same time, we also are so much more aware of emotional intelligence and why it's so important. And so I hope that that will counteract a lot of what we're seeing. And if we can just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have a, a generation who really hold, grasps, grasps this and holds on to it, mm-hmm. uh, that can, that can change the whole momentum. It can go in the right direction. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see too, because when we look at, um, now we have to flip ch- uh, gears a little bit, cause I'm very interested in your answer to this question. Um, when we are looking at and examining teens with phones, specifically mm. that age group, because we know that frontal cortex is not developed yet. Right. It's a very dangerous time to hand out a uh, phone, right? Yes. Now they're taking more selfies. They're taking some, some kids take over a hundred selfies a day <laughs> and they're checking the selfies, how they look in class. So they're like sitting here like this, looking up mm-hmm. at the teacher and then looking back down and they're not even respecting the teacher, the knowledge, and actually retaining the information from the teachers anymore. They're so Mm -hmm. self-absorbed in what's going on in their teen culture. So Mm -hmm. how can we as parents prevent the sending of these, the mentality of sending the nude photos, the need to feel liked, um, and checking our likes and notification when formulas, literally formulas are teaching your kids to be addicted to our phones to check that. So we're fighting math, really, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a strange world we live in sometimes when you think about it like that. But, you know, it it goes back to what are you teaching your kids to value? Where are you teaching them that their self-worth comes from? So that is the problem, you know, with the selfie generation is we focus too much on what I look like, what other people are thinking of me, what's going on externally, instead of really building and valuing the skills that make you who you are. You know, are you kind? Are you helpful? Are you understanding? That's why I encourage parents. And when I work with kids and teens, I'm always making comments like, wow, that was super thoughtful. That was really amazing that you did that. I'm always encouraging parents highlight their strengths, even if, you know, there's things that they need to improve or you need to correct, still go back and say, but you did this really well. Um, Helping them develop that sense of self that's based on who they are instead of what they look like can make such a, such a difference. And, you know, for teens, especially, we know that their peer relationships are so important. You know, they're really getting into dating and friends and all of that. And so we definitely help (laughs) either. No. (laughs) hormones and everything going off. It's, I mean, 
I know none of the teeth now some of the teachers have been on the podcast are like you know 20 years ago I only had to deal with puberty and hormones with kids mm -hmm. right and passing of notes maybe now it's like a whole other inside of the child's mind is going on and I'm mm -hmm. trying to get them to look at me and focus on me and so a lot of teachers are asking for a ban on phones because it's just too hard with 30 kids and 30 phones. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I definitely think that the schools will have to make adjustments, but it's like we're always fighting uh, amongst ourselves because I know a parent that, you know, I just talked to one today who doesn't want to give too much time, you know, doesn't want to give her, her child too much electronic time. But at the same time, her kid is like, but everyone else has it. So the kids are going to school, all the other kids are have it. And the parents are also saying, well, all the other, you know, kids have it and all the parents are doing this. So it's like, we really need more parents on board with understanding. Those parents, yeah. just in my book is that, okay, if your daughter is in a group, with 10 other kids. Can you not suggest in an email, you know, can we all reduce a little bit of time here? Mm -hmm. And, you know, one night a week, I'll take all the girls to the playground and, and you start, yeah. but it's a parent who has to initiate it. Once you start that those kids will love going down by the river one night a week and throwing rocks mm -hmm. instead of being on their phones. And then another night, another parent can take all the, the girls and limit the time and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing with my kids. Is there anyone else that wants to jump on board here? Do you guys all want to get maybe a pinwheel phone because you know, they can, we can keep their secure group with no other numbers involved. Right. There will be no luring, no grooming, no sex trafficking with a pinwheel phone. It can't mm -hmm. happen. So, I mean, there's lots of ways in which parents can now look ahead but looking at getting their children a thousand dollar iPhone, that's, I'm thinking a pinwheel is much, much cheaper and a great mm -hmm. way to introduce phones at a very slower rate so that their brains can process everything that the phone is processing. Yeah. Right? Pinwheel is amazing. Rushed. Yeah. It's not, not yeah. too rushed. Um, but yeah. I think you're, you're right. It's about teaching the teens about their self-worth, their value as a person. And commenting is what I like what you said. Um, for instance, uh, let's just say a child comes home with a, they got a, uh, an A plus on their math test. Um, I would say, wow, you must have really studied hard and organized your time. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of saying, wow, you're smart, inflating the, the ego, right? Mm -hmm. So by just changing how we speak, changes what we focus on to the kids right and yeah it makes what. such a difference okay exactly yeah it's all focusing on the outcome versus the effort that they put into it like a lot of times we'll say wow you know that was so good i, I even you know will what avoid the, the good yeah like as descriptive as you can be yeah. what was good about it you were helpful you were kind you were patient you, like you said, you studied hard, you managed your time well, yeah. so that they are aware, oh, I did do that. And now we're building healthy self-esteem instead of, oh, I feel good only when I accomplish or when I do something or when other people notice. Yeah, because it's interesting when when one of my kids, I, you, you know how you go to the schools and you sit down for a parent-teacher interview and you only hear those wonderful grades that your kids tell you about. <laughs> but then you sit down and she's like, 
well, well, there was this one quiz that they got a zero on and I'm like, oh, I didn't hear about that. How interesting. And mm-hmm. I, I go home and I my, show my child, oh, what happened here? Well, I thought you'd be mad at me. Well, obviously you got a zero on it. So either was that the day you missed for hockey and then when there was a quiz, quiz the next day? Well, you should have next time. I said, I'm not mad at you at all because it's just about organization. It's only one quiz. It doesn't, it doesn't reflect right. your whole life. It doesn't reflect me not loving you. It's just, it's showing you a little bit of a, a way in which we can, um, next time you leave your classroom for hockey, how to make sure you're prepared. Right. Exactly. That's it. And I didn't if- get mad. And I said, so, so what I feel, I failed quizzes. And as soon as I took a bit of that, no problem. Yeah. Exactly. It makes a huge difference. I think that's something else too, that that we don't always do is just connecting with our kids, like saying, Oh, me too. Like I get it. I know some parents are scared to say that they did something because then they think their kid is just going to take a pass and be like, Oh, well you did it. That's not the reason we share our, our missteps. It's to help. Like I understand because I did it and here's what I learned. So you don't have to make the same mistake. So I also say, don't be afraid to uh, you know, validate your kids and really connect with them. You obviously, if you're an adult, you were a child, you were a teenager, you know, you had your your adult life. So share that with them and share that in the in the context of here's what I learned, here's what I want for you because I love you. Love is more than just praising them. It's also helping them in the discipline and the consistency and, and teaching them those values and skills. Now um, I know we have to wrap up. I didn't quite realize the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just got, I just had more questions and I had more things I thought might be more helpful for listeners. So um, what would be three tips that you would think to help raise narcissistic resistant teens or, or children to adults? What would be mm-hmm. three, just your three big ones that we can do? Yeah, I've thought a lot about about this because, of course, okay. we can go into depth. But I for know. the time being, <laughs> we'll the, the best way, two, though, Chelsea, that's right. We really we really could. Yeah, I know. We definitely could. Okay. I guess the best way that I would be able to wrap it up are those things that I mentioned earlier, like be giving, but don't give unlimited second chances. Okay. Be understanding, but look at actions over words. Okay. Be loyal, but to people who are genuine and be kind, but realize not everyone has good intentions. Because that's, okay. yeah, it's just values for life there. Exactly. It's the balance because a lot of people feel like, oh, I need to be on edge. I need to be super suspicious because of toxic people are everywhere. And so you feel like you have to become maybe a hardened person, but I'm, I'm always like, no, that means the narcissist wins if we stop being good. So we just have to, you know, be giving, be understanding, be loyal, be kind, be all those positive things, but just set healthy boundaries around those things. And you'll be a good person and you'll keep the narcissist out. Yeah. And I think it's about doing exactly what you just said and about just raising kind children, Mm -hmm. right. And spending that time with them. If we're on our phones, 160 hours a month, which it says adults are, and kids are, which is 18,000 hours by the time they're 18, we need to change because we're losing the kids by the time. And you know very well that by the age of eight, children have to form the bond of security attachment. And now very much so there's a lot of information saying the kids are not finding that bond of security and attachment. 
right? And mm. they're not and they're not getting it. So we're we're not talking. So the way to counteract mental health, the way to counteract phone addiction is talking and spending time with them. Um, I think during lockdown we played cards probably a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what game is this <laughs> and we were outside and we, we we got them we we followed our routines because kids thrive in routines right we, we tried yeah. our we tried our best and to pick a movie every night but then after like the 60th day you're kind of like okay <laughs> now let's go back to the movies from the 80s because we've gone through everything else but it was about we showed the kids how to adapt <laughs> right we showed them that it can be done and that you know moving through this um we thought about each other and we showed them empathy and that each child got to pick something and each child got to now i have very different ages which is hard but we we tried you know what meal do you want to cook because you got all day to figure it out (laughs) because you're you're on lockdown yeah (laughs) you got eight hours to figure out (laughs) right um right there are so many yeah there's so many opportunities for for teaching there I think Pinterest became very fascinating for a few of the kids you know I'm like because absolutely yeah that probably blew up as a tool so let's use the phone as a tool yeah right instead of now exactly um, there's good there too it's just how you use it it's how you use it. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. Um, how can people get in touch with you and speak with you if this is something that is going on in their lives? What should they do? How should they reach out? How should how should they start? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, of course, you can Google my name and a bunch of stuff will come up and I'm on all the social media channels. But if this really resonated with you and you want to learn more about creating that narcissist resistant mindset, I would suggest going to chelseabrookcole.com slash cheat sheet. And there you can find, um, you'll, you'll have a download for, for the cheat sheet that will explain all of this and more. Oh, that, that's so great. And I hope if anybody's listening, if they feel they're in a relationship um, with someone who has these narcissistic tendencies that, that we've been able to help today, I really do. So thank you so much for being on the parent talk today Chelsea I think it was a great session and I hope you're going to come back for the the uh, one on sports absolutely I would love to thank you so much for having me thank you